with our message on the Beatitudes from Matthew. Today we're going to look at Matthew, the fifth chapter, the eighth verse. And it says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. The scripture is a call to purity. Maybe we don't always think of ourselves as being pure, but it's a call to purity for Christians. And when we think about purity, there's a couple, couple, of, couple different ways to think about it. And one way is it's to make something pure by cleansing or washing or refining by fire. We make it pure. We remove impurities. That's one way we can make things pure. Another way to look at impurity is being unmixed, having no double allegiance. And so today we're going to look at a, at a couple of those different ways of seeing about what it means to be pure. It's not just being clean. It's not just being clean, but it's being focused and staying away from impurities and keeping ourselves pure. You know, it's important for us to understand that God wants us to become pure. I don't know that, you know, it's not, it's not like, well, I don't think I could ever get there. God says that he wants us to become pure. He says, blessed are the pure in heart. So it's not something that's unattainable. It's not something to say, well, I can never do that. It's something that he has plan for us and something that he makes a way for us i believe it's it's a couple different ways that he that he does this and and it starts with you know and i i've said this a lot i i thought about it lately but you know it i just have to remind us it starts with knowing him it starts with the new birth it starts to being born again matthew the fifth chapter the 21st verse it says for he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us God made Jesus, who knew no sin, to become sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. In other words, God made the way for us to be pure. You know, he sent his son Jesus to die on a cross to be able to forgive our sins so that we could be righteous before him. Not on our own. You know, if we ever think that, well, I can do things. I can, I can, if I do enough of this, I can surely be good enough for God. We cannot do enough good things to be good enough for God. It's not based upon our own righteousness. It's not based upon what we can do, but it's based upon what he has done for us. And so it has to start there. We have to realize it starts there because otherwise I'm just trying to attain something that I can't. I'm trying to be something that I can't be. I'm trying to be, I'm trying to be good enough. You know, we can't be good enough. We're not good enough, no matter how good we are. You know, no matter how good we could ever try to become, we would never be good enough on our own. It's just, be, and it's called good works. You know, if we try to do it on our own, it's just good works. And that will never get us, never get us to a place of righteousness and purity with God. And then after we, after we start that process, I always see the, the new birth as a starting point, as a starting point. You know, making a commitment, a decision to follow Christ. That's a starting point. But then he wants us to live out lives that are pure. He wants us to live out lives that are pure. And in, in the seventh chapter of Second Corinthians, the first verse, it says, Therefore, having, re- having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness, filthiness of flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. So now... We have responsibility. That once we become a child of God, 
There is responsibility. And we're now to live out our lives that are pure before him. Perfecting, a process, a process. You know, and it's an ongoing process. And I believe it's a process that's never complete on this earth. That we're always, we're always in that process. The danger might become if we think we're done with the process. If we think we're done with the process, the danger is now we think we've attained a place and then probably pride could come in. Because, well, I've made it. Look at how I've got it. I've got, look how I'm pretty good now. You know, no, it's still, it's an ongoing process. Perfecting ourselves, becoming like Christ, becoming pure, a pure in heart. And we do it out of fear of God. It says perfecting holiness in the fear of God. You know, there needs to be, there needs to be a healthy respect and fear of God. If we don't have that, the danger is we become complacent. Or we become almost you know, I was just at a funeral Friday and we sang one of my favorite songs. You know, what a friend we have in Jesus. You know, that's, you know, but it's, it's, it's true. But, you know, there's also a fear of God. You know, he's not just my buddy. You know, he's not just, he's not just somebody that, oh, I have this casual relationship, you know. But no, there's a fear of God because I know he's just. You know, I know he's just. And I know who he is. And, and so out of fear, we perfect ourselves in holiness, and there needs to be that fear. If there isn't that understanding of who God is, I don't think there's that edge that keeps us desiring to do His will. You know, if He's just He's just my buddy, He's there in case I need something. He's there to help me if I have a problem. He's just He's just there to take care of me. He's just a nice guy. You know, if that's our attitude, I don't think that's enough that it stimulates us sometimes to you know what god wants us to be perfected in holiness and he wants us to be pure in heart and then also we understand that as we go through that process that one day we are going to attain holiness in first john the third chapter first john the third chapter the second verse it says beloved now we are children of god and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. When Jesus comes back, you know, we sang about that glorious day. That glorious day. At that glorious day, we will be perfect. We will be perfect. You know, not only spiritually, the Bible, you know, kind of a neat note is, the Bible says there's no more pain. Well, think about it, you know. No more pain. Wow. Means more to some of us than others, you know, but no more pain, no more sorrow. You know, there's, there won't be anything to be sorrowful about. You know, we're, we'll be, it'll be perfect. We'll be perfected. We will be pure as pure can be. But that day is when he returns and when we finally are like him. We are like him finally. You know, it, then it's, it's perfected in Christ. And, you know, this whole idea of purity, and, and, you know, purity is something that's in our hearts. It's not on the outside. It's not what we, it, it reflects in what we do, but it starts in our hearts. Blessed are the pure in heart, in heart. And Jesus had a lot of things to say about this throughout his ministry. 
As a matter of fact, he has some pretty harsh words for some people who didn't get it. I want you to take a look at Matthew, the 23rd chapter. Matthew, the 23rd chapter, the 25th verse. Jesus says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you cleanse the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they are full of extortion and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee. First cleanse the inside of the cup and dish, that then the outside of them may be made clean also. Woe to you, scribes and hypocrites! For you are like whitewashed tombs, which indeed appear beautiful outwardly, but inwardly are full of dead men's bones and uncleanness. Even so, you also outwardly appear righteous to men, but inside you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. He goes on to talk about this whole thing, saying to this group of people, he, called, you know, he said it to the scribes and Pharisees, and it's a term that's broad for anybody who attempts to go down this path. And he said there's something that's opposite of pure in heart. And he said, the opposite of pure in heart is when you just worry about how you look to everybody else. That you want to keep up an appearance. Because the problem is, you're trying to keep up an appearance, but you're not dealing with what's inside. You're not dealing with your heart issues. What you'll find is, you deal with the heart issues, you don't have to worry about your appearance. Because there will be consistency in your life. You know, if it's in your heart, it's just who you are. You won't have to try to cover for things. You won't have to try to act like you think you ought to. You know? And so it, I believe those are things that, you know, we can train children in. You know, train children. That the importance is their heart. And help them to see things in their heart. Help them to see things when they're not doing what is right. But purity starts in the heart. So it's, so it's important for us not to try to clean up the outside. What I've noticed is sometimes when the heart changes, what happens? When the heart changes, the outside changes. It, it does change, but you, you don't get it backwards, okay? But when the heart changes, when people make heart changes, sometimes you can see it in their countenance. You can see it in their words, their behavior. You can see it in their outlook on life. Lots of, things, lots of things happen on the outside, and that's all true. But it starts because there's a heart change. And the danger is that we try to change it from the outside in. One of the dangers, I think, in the church sometimes is we try to do that with people. You know, when we know somebody that, you know, needs a heart change, we try to change them from the outside in. We try to, we try to get them to change their behaviors. We try to get them to look different and act different and all. But we need to understand that, you know, what needs to happen is people need to be changed from the inside out. We need to sometimes pray more, trust God to work. Because until God changes the heart, until there's a purity of heart, changing the outside is just, it's almost, well, it is misleading. It's misleading. It's misguiding people, you know. And the danger, I think, is sometimes almost convincing them that they're something they're, they are something that they're not just because now they on the outside conform to what we think is proper. I would rather have somebody just be downright mean and nasty on the inside 
and act like it on the outside than somebody to try to cover it up. You know? I just, you know, sometimes hypocrisy where people, you know, cover things up and try to look like something they're not. Just, it can, you know, and Jesus, it appears like it really upset him. You know, he went after these scribes and Pharisees. You know, he didn't go, you know, this is the people, not because they were scribes and Pharisees, because they were hypocrites. I mean, he went after them. You know, and you you can talk about, you know, he's he's full of love, and I, I believe that. But, you know, he goes after these guys. He says, woe to you. I mean, it's like, you know, he calls them, he calls them blind Pharisees. I mean, he was kind of getting right after it, you know, because he he just saw what was happening. And so we need to see that God, what does God do? God looks at the heart. God looks at the heart. That's what he looks for. He looks for hearts. Uh, in First Samuel, the 16th chapter, there's a couple examples of uh, God doing this. And in First uh, Samuel 16, verse 7, when he was picking a king, it says, The Lord said to Samuel, Don't look at his appearance or his physical stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Man looks at the outward appearance. We talked in, in Sunday school this morning, we talked about the world and the influence of the world. And I believe this is one place where the world has tremendous influence on us. Because the world has taught us to look at the outward appearance. The world has taught us that look at how people look, how they dress, how they present themselves, how, you know, whatever, however that looks. That that's what's most important. And the world tells us that. And if we're not careful, we can sometimes bring that into a church. You know, I different times people say or different churches will be looking looking for a pastor and they'll say well bring him in and let him preach well you know that really tells you nothing you know why because you know do you think somebody's going to come in and try to on purpose do a really bad job i mean do you think they're gonna they're gonna commit you know they, they know okay i'm i'm trying to present myself i want a good appearance i want people to think i can you know talk well and this and that has nothing to do with the heart. But the world tells us that's what's important. That's what's important. We have to be very careful when we make judgments about people. You know, it's, it's I mean, you make some judgments based on appearance, but you got to be really careful by what you see on the outside because it says man looks at the outside. Man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. And so what I would encourage you is try to see people's hearts. I would say to young people looking for a spouse, get past the outward appearance quick. That may attract you in some way, but get past the outward appearance quick and start to find out where their heart is. Find out what makes them tick. Everybody dating puts on a good appearance most of the time. Now, I don't know everybody. Maybe that's an extreme, but most people dating put on a good appearance. They don't show you their heart. You know, you, it takes a while. You, you, but the best advice I ever get is get to know their heart. Find out who they are because once you marry them, you will find out. You will find out. You know, now we all got things, but I'm just telling you, you will find out. 
you know, their heart. And you need to know that up front. You need, you need to see past the outward appearance. You know, sometimes what happens is we fall in love with the outward appearance and we lose all sense. Did you ever notice that? It's like they lost all their sense. They can't think straight, you know. But you, you need to look at the heart. And that's what God looks at. Proverbs, the 21st chapter. Proverbs, the 21st chapter, the second verse. It says, every way of a man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the hearts. Isn't it? I, I find that scripture really intriguing. Every man's way is right. Everybody thinks they're doing the right thing. Everybody thinks, well, this is, you know, I've decided this is the right thing. And it says every man does what thinks right in his own eyes. But the Lord weighs the heart. But God looks past that. He looks past that and he sees the heart. And probably the best example in Scripture was David. You know, the Bible says David was a man after God's own heart. God saw David's heart. David looked pretty crummy on the outside, actually, folks. I mean, he was a murderer, an adulterer. I mean, you know, that, you know, in, in our eyes, you know, and probably rightly so, that's not right, and that's not right, and it's wrong, and a terrible person. Think about it. A murderer, an adulterer. God saw past that, and he saw his heart. Wow. That's, that's really amazing. God could see his heart. And so I think it's for us that we need to think about what do we see? The problem in the world, I believe, and still is, is the condition of man's heart. The biggest problem we have in the world is man's heart. You know, what's wrong with people? What's wrong with our society? What's well, our hearts? You know? Our hearts are far away from God. Our hearts are far away from what He wants. Our hearts are selfish, self-centered, trying to do what we want to do. You know, that's the problem with our world today. And so for Christians, it's important for us to remember that we as Christians, we need to be able to purify, purify ourselves and allow God to purify us. In Hebrews, the 12th chapter, the first verse. It says, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witness, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. That is purifying the heart. Let us lay aside, lay aside, put aside those things that so easily ensnare us. Some things ensnare one person, and some things ensnare another person. Not everybody is ensnared by the same thing. What you'll find is that the things that ensnare you, I think, are really terrible. As I see what ensnares you, I think, well, why are they doing that? What's wrong with them? Well, you know what's most important? I look at what ensnares me. We look at our own hearts. We, we purify ourselves. doesn't say that we purify one another. Sometimes I think we spend way too much time trying to purify one another. Number one, that's God's job, and it's a personal responsibility on our part. Our job is to lay aside those things that so easily ensnare us. What is it that's my struggle? What is it that, you know, tempts me? 
What is it that draws me? What things? And we need to see in ourselves and purify ourselves and deal with my heart, not everybody else's heart. And another thing that I believe is so easily influences us is the world around us. The world around us. Romans, the 12th chapter, the second verse. It says, don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is a good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Don't be conformed by the world around you. I don't know. I, I, this is really starting to, I, I shouldn't say intrigue me, but I see the importance of this more and more. We are influenced by the world beyond what we even know. And it's probably to such a point that it's dangerous and we're probably in a worse place than we even know. That the world has influenced us to such a point and we aren't even aware of it. We, we kind of talk about it, but I'm not sure we're quite aware of how much the world has influenced us. And how much we're conformed to the world and what the world says about how we ought to be. You know, we, we talked about it, you know, with all the input we have nowadays. I mean, we just have tremendous amount of input in our lives. The world can influence us in so many ways. You know, when TV first came out, we said, wow, you know, the TV, it's, it's good, it's bad. You know, it's, it's a big influence. It is a tremendous influence. And if you think it's not an influence, you're just kidding yourself because there are people spending billions of dollars to influence you through the TV. If they didn't think they could influence you, they would not be spending billions of dollars to influence you. They're telling you what to wear. They're telling you what to eat. They're telling you what to drink. And without realizing it, we're conformed to what they say. You hear it long enough, you start to believe it and don't even know it. You know, we're, we're being conformed to the world. Well, now it's not, you know, it's not just TV because now look where we're at. You know, TV, at least you had to come home, sit down, look at it. Now you carry the influence with you. You carry the influence wherever you go. Wherever you go, you've got the world able to influence you for good and bad. The Christians are much slower than the world. I believe, I believe these devices and things are opportunities for us to do good. But Christians, are, the world is way ahead of us on this. You know, they're way ahead of us on influencing people. And, and people conform to it. People conform to it. In Matthew 6, 24, it says, you can't serve two masters. You either love the one and hate the other. You know, you can't serve two masters. You can't serve the world and serve God. You know, it's kind of like, well, I'll get a little bit of both. It says you can't serve two masters. You can't serve two masters. So that brings me to dads. I see I got to bring dads into this because it's Father's Day. I thought, well, how, you know, I didn't have to, but I thought I would. Well, dads. It's up to you to train your children. Either the world's going to train them or you are. One or the other. One or the other. 
And dads, you need to train them. Moms too. But you know, sometimes dads have pushed that off onto moms. Dads have kind of relinquished, relinquished their responsibility. And I think dads need to say, you need to treat your children. Teach them pure character. Teach them what's pure. Honesty. Honesty. Teach them caring. Serving. Try to keep them away from worldly influence as much as possible. The Bible says we're in the world, but we're not of the world. I'm not trying to say that we should just, you know, we should all pull out and move to a mountain somewhere. and You know, we're to be in the world, but not of the world. Tough, tough, tough thing to do. Tough thing to do. I was just to a wedding reception recently. Just observing what was going on. It wasn't, wasn't a bad, it was a nice, nice, I mean, a nice wedding. And I was watching the young people afterwards. And, and a lot of them were Christians, raised in Christian homes. And Mary says to me, how come they know all the words to all these worldly songs? How do they know all these words to all these worldly songs? Well, how do they? Had them memorized. They, they just, the music turned up and they all, their mouths all started going. Isn't that, I mean, it was just interesting to me. The influence. The influence. Good kids. I mean, just, I mean, you know, but it's just interesting. Interesting how much the world influenced our kids. You know? And so we, we need to be careful. We need to guard them. You know, be a guard. Watch what your kids are being influenced by. Know what they're being influenced by. Know what they're watching. You know, their TV, their room is not a private room. Unless they're paying you rent. Unless you need the money and they're paying you rent. That is not a private room. You have every right to go in that room and look and see what's in there and what they're watching and what they're looking at. As a matter of fact, that's your responsibility. You know, I just make it clear to my kids, you know, that is not your private room. You don't own that room. I can go in there at any time and look and see what's going on in that room. I can get on your computer at any time and I can see whatever you're doing. You know, that we have responsibility. We have responsibility, responsibility to train our children, to watch out, to keep them as pure as possible. I realize, you know, yeah, they got to they got to get out there and they got to make their own decisions and they do but i want to tell you you need to train them and set an example and protect your children protect your children somebody well you protect them too much and they'll never be able to function i want to tell you something you protect them and they'll function much better in the world it doesn't make any sense to me to throw them out in the world let them get all messed up and then say well now here try to figure life out that just doesn't make any sense to me at all and so we need to set godly examples. We need to be consistent. We need to be consistent with our children. You know, consistency is so important. Kids hate hypocrisy. They hate it. And so we need to be consistent with them. I'm going to leave you with this verse. Think about this verse this week. It's been kind of mulling around in my, in, inside of me. Um, pastor friend shared it with me, and I want to share this with you. In Luke, the second chapter, beginning at the first verse, it says, In the meantime, when an innumerable multitude of people had gathered together 
so that they trampled one another, Jesus began to say to his disciples, first of all, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy, for there is nothing covered that will not be revealed, nor hidden that will not be known. Therefore, whatever you have spoke in the dark will be heard in the light, and whatever you have spoken in the ear in inner rooms will be proclaimed on the housetops. Now, that can have a lot of different meanings, but I want to tell you this, dads and moms. Whatever you say at home, in the quiet, whatever you say when you think no one's listening, whatever you say when you're not out in the world will be shouted from the housetops by your children. Think about it. Think about it. How many times have people said, now where did my kids ever hear that? Well, you know what? Chances are, you know where they heard it? They heard you at some point, maybe not whispering it, but they heard you at some point saying it. And you know what your kids do with it? They magnify it. They magnify it. And when it comes out of them, it's like, well, where did they hear that? Now, here's a general observation. I, this is not scientific. This is Ron Merritt's thinking. Okay? I don't know what that gets you, but this is, I just want to clarify that. My observation. This is not about, this is not a condemnation on drinking or This is just an observation. Parents don't drink at all. Okay? Next generation comes along. The next generation, social drinks. Okay, no big problem. The problem's the third generation or the fourth. And that's the way with a lot of things, but that's just a general observation. That's the way it is with a lot of things. It starts out like, well, it's not a big deal. And then ge- next generation looks at it and says, well, you know, mom and dad did it, and it wasn't a big deal, so, you know, I'll do it. I'm telling you, when it gets to the third and fourth, sometimes it becomes a big deal. It can be the same thing about lying or whatever you want to talk about. Whatever you whisper will be shouted at some point. The Bible says it goes to second, third, fourth generation. We have choices to make. We can make a difference. We can change that. You can change that. You know, if you're a mom and a dad and you got a little, you can change it. You can say, you know, start now. This is how it's going to be. You can change that. And I want to tell you something. Until that happens in our nation, we're, we're just still headed down a path. But it's going to be people making choices to do what God wants them to do. Tough decisions sometimes. Riding against the current. Going against what the world says. But Jesus says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. That should be a motive for us. That should be a drive for us. That You know what? That's important. It's important. And I want to do it. And it's going to start with my family. We're going to honor the dads now. After I just chewed them out. Somebody always told me, you know, the moms get blessed, the dads get chewed out. I don't know. I guess, no. Um, dads are important. So the kids are going to come up. Okay. Bring the kids up. Yeah. Bring them on up.
They're going to come up, and when they're done, I'll close with. He never looks for praises. He, he never wants to boast. Oh. He just goes on quietly working for those he loves the most. His dreams are seldom spoken. His wants are very few. And most of the time, his worries will go unspoken to. He's there a, he's there a from foundation thought. All are storms of life. A sturdy hand to hold to. In times of stress or strife. A true friend we can turn to when times are good or bad. One of our greatest blessings, the man that we call Dad. Um, let's all stand. We'll pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for dads. And Lord, we just pray you just encourage them to, to just be the watchman in their home, the watchman in their family. Lord, just help them to train and encourage their children. Lord, we just thank you for the blessing of children. Lord, we just thank you for your goodness for us. And Lord, I just pray as we uh, go forward, Lord, that we would... Uh, Desire to be pure before you, Lord, just help us to know that you'll help us. Lord, you're there to help us as we, as we work to, to become all that you would have us to be. So, Lord, we thank you for that. We thank you for this day. And just bless us in all that we do throughout the rest of the day. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, Amen.